Well, good morning. Oh, that's terrible. Good morning. That's better. That's better. Um, it is a, a little different service this morning, and I'm just going to have a couple of minutes to talk about what we're doing and to, to talk uh, as an overview of the book of, or the letter or the epistle of Ephesians. Uh, just so you know, this letter would have been intended that when Christians would have gathered during Paul's day, that they would have read it together in one setting. And that's what we're doing. I know it seems a little hard and a little cumbersome because we're not used to reading long pieces of Scripture. But the early believers would have read it. They would have. So if you could imagine that you, your phone, you, a text or an email would pop into your inbox of someone that you were really excited to hear from and what they would have to say, that's what they would have done. And so this little letter, I've just made a few notes, uh, is very important. Why, why would we as a church come to the book of Ephesians at this point? Well, here's, here's a couple of things I want you to think about. In a world that seems to me, and this is my opinion, to be chaotic, to offer little or any answers to life's problems, and to seem to be so um, centered around everything but the important things, it would appear that this letter could speak into our lives God's truth. It's important now more than ever for us to understand who God is and who we are in God or in Christ, as Paul says. I would encourage you as we're continuing to read, to open, to have your Bibles open. There's one in the pew for you. We're, we're going to go three more chapters. And just, just follow along. This is the very Word of God. And we come to this letter, as some have described it, as a compendium of the Christian faith. In other words, it is basic Christianity. If you want to know what we are or what we believe as Christians, then the letter of Ephesians is a great tool. It's a great letter. It's one of the most majestic letters in all of the New Testament and probably in all of the Bible. Uh, in the first three chapters, uh, as you could hear each reader read it, you could see that, that Paul gets into a rhythm. He begins to describe this God that he loves and this God that loves him. He begins to describe the riches that are his in Christ, this one who died for him. And so Paul wants to live for Christ. It's also a sublime epistle, meaning it's exalted in dignity. Some have said that the book of Romans is the purest treatise of the Christian faith, but Ephesians for sure is the mo most majestic. There are six divisions in the letter. Now, you understand that in, when it was originally written, it, they didn't do one, two, three, four, five, six. But as we get our English Bibles and chapters, were, chapters and verses were put in there for our, our, the, our ease of use, it's broken right down the middle. In the first half, chapters 1 through 3, it's about what we believe. 
And then chapters 4 through 6, it's how we are to behave because of what we believe. Or said another way, in the first half of the little letter, it's what God has done. And in the second half, it's what we are to do based on what God has done for us. If we rightly understand who God is and what He has done, brothers and sisters, it should definitely affect our lives. Now, I know I've read and I've been spending some time in Ephesians, and I know that I've, I've already blown it this week and even today as it relates to this. But that's the reason Paul starts with the rock-solid foundation of God in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, what we are here doing this morning is we are worshiping the one who doesn't change. We're worshiping the one who doesn't fail. We're worshiping the one who has called us and doesn't give up on us. And I don't know if you need to hear that, but really in the first three chapters of Ephesians that we've just read, it's not about us, it's about God. It's about what God's doing in our life. And let me make no mistake this morning, He's intimately involved in your life. I promise you, no matter how you got here this morning, whether it was under this, this duress or by encouragement or, be, or you just wanted to come here, I believe with everything in my being that those of us here in this room this morning are not here by accident. It's because of what God is doing in our lives. And so there is a word here for you this morning. And I'm not talking about what I'm saying. I'm talking about the first three chapters that were read. And I'm talking about the next three chapters that will be read. The Apostle Paul begins in these first three chapters by being totally carried away with Christ. I've thought this week about what has got me excited both positively and negatively. So I just want to ask you, just stop for a moment. What have you been excited about? What's, what's either got into your craw or what's really got you provoked and, and excited? What's, when's the last time you were happy about anything? I hope, I hope every day. I hope we're all happy all the time. But, but as, I, as they've been reading the first two or three chapters, you could almost, you could almost sense this apostle getting so excited he cannot contain himself about this great and majestic God. What are the themes that he puts out for us? I, I, there are many, and this is, just my, this is just my summation to do something for five or six minutes. So please understand, this is not exhaustive or this is not the best, but this is just an opinion of what I believe that it here is in this letter. If you have your Bibles, I just want to start right at the beginning in verse 1. The, they wrote by identifying who was writing the letters first rather than writing a letter then signing it. And so 
So he's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he begins by saying, hey, it's Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To the saints who are at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The very first theme that we see in the first few chapters is God. He's an apostle by the will of God. In other words, he's talking about the sovereignty of God. He's, he's an apostle because God called him to be an apostle, not because he decided to be an apostle, not because he chose to be an apostle, not because he went to a revival meeting and just walked the aisle and said, okay, I'm going to be an apostle. What, what Paul is saying is the sovereign hand of God reached out of heaven and grabbed me a persecutor of the church, and he's made me a messenger of the church. And do you know what? I'm excited this morning because God is still reaching out of heaven and still grabbing people like me who are wretched and vile and sinful and picking them up and saving me by His sovereign grace. Isn't that a good news? And it's by the will of God. And let me just tell you that, that one of the things that's in me that I, I, I'm probably not doing a good job of wanting to express, but I've been sitting on it all summer is this, is there so much bombardment of everything is crazy and out of control, and it just doesn't seem like there's anything that makes sense. But, to, but brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, God is in control. He always has been, He is now, and He will forever be. The second thing that I think we'll see in chapters 2 and following is the theme of Christ. As a matter of fact, he begins this big doxology right in, in the first chapter, and then goes on to verses two and or chapters two and three, and you begin to he starts talking about in Christ, in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Jesus, and it just keeps going on and on. In other words, he's saying that I am who I am because of what Jesus did for me. Now it's taken me a long time to get here. But I want you all to, to I, I believe I'm standing on Scripture, so I want you to listen. Not because I'm saying anything, but I believe this is what Paul's saying. There is no Christianity without Christ. We are followers of Jesus here this morning. And what makes you a Christian, what makes you a follower of Christ, is not what you've done. Let's get that settled here right now. This letter is all about what Jesus has done for us. We talk about, well, you know, why should I go to heaven? And I've been, I've been given the a privilege of, of officiating or, or, or preaching several funerals. And this week was no different. And, and I sat and I looked back at the Rose family and and there sits Lucy and, and Donald's funeral. And I, when you stand with a family who you know that has been saved by Jesus Christ, it is so refreshing and so encouraging to say the reason that they could be in heaven or the reason I can be in heaven is not because they were a, a great person, although the, I'm speaking of great people. It's because of who their faith is in. It's in Jesus. 
Is this making any sense? It's Jesus. It's because Jesus saved them. How did he save them? He came and became the sacrificial lamb. In other words, he became the sacrifice and paid a debt that they couldn't pay. He's paid a debt I couldn't pay. Do you understand? You can never pay the debt that's required of one sin, let alone all the sins. But here's what Paul is saying. Jesus paid it, and in him there's amazing riches. And I'm not supposed to preach, so I'm going to move on. The third thing is, how do we get this? It's by grace. It's by grace. We're here singing because of grace. We're here because of God's amazing grace. We're here because of God's sovereign grace. We're here because God was rich in grace, and He gave us everything we don't deserve. I used to hate to hear my mom say, I, I, just wait till your dad gets home because he's going to really give it to you. Because I deserved it. But our Heavenly Father isn't that kind of Heavenly Father. He says, when you get home, you're going to get everything you don't deserve. You're going to get all the riches of this that you don't deserve. Another theme is in this letter is the theme of the church, people, relations, four, five, and six. Uh, we're going to start hearing about how we relate to husband and wife, children and father, or children and parents, parents to child. Um, there's words called masters and servants or masters and slaves, and that's really, you could, you could think of that as employees and employers. Uh, in other words, it talks about uh, interpersonal relationships. And again, there's a ton of conviction and tons of, uh, of confession here in front of you, brothers and sisters. Uh, I'm a terrible person, but thank God that there is a God who saved me and a Jesus who, who, who made that salvation possible and a Holy Spirit who comes and lives within me. And when I start following, following what I believe, my behavior reflects that. And all of a sudden, I begin to treat my spouse or, or my children uh, better or right or how I want to be. So if we are wanting to know how we can make a difference in this world, let's look at who God is and what Christ has done and let's pray to the Holy Spirit that He will make that impactful in our families. And another thing that's in here is if you want to know uh, about the war that we're fighting, um, there's spiritual warfare uh, in, in this letter. And so how we go through that, we're going to cover all that at some point in time. So as I wrap up, what are we supposed to do? I would like to encourage you. This is going to sound, you're like, oh boy, Tim, is that the best you got? And Yeah, it is. Read it. Let's just assume that the letter of Ephesians is from God to his people and let's just read it, knowing that God has written it to us, and it's important. And we're going to keep reading it, and I would encourage you, I would like to encourage you to read it once a week till, for the rest of the year. Six chapters, it's going to take you very few minutes. I'd like to ask you to pray. I know you do, and, and I know that we're good about that, but... I'm going to ask that you pray like is, there's some prayers in this letter. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for this church family. 
Let's pray that this book gets so ingrained with us that it makes a huge difference in our church. Do you know the mission movement of the early church is tied back to this little church at Ephesus? The mission movement really this centers around it. And then the third thing I would like to ask us to do, can we just all agree that if God says that we need to do something in relation to our reading, preaching, studying, and being together, that we're just going to do it? We're just going to respond. Let's just all this morning commit, Lord, if you prompt something or show me something in my heart that I need to do, I'm just going to walk in faith. It doesn't matter if I understand it or don't understand it. It doesn't matter if I agree with it or don't agree with it. It just doesn't matter, Lord. I'm going to respond faithfully to your word and the prompting of your spirit in my life. So I close this morning by praying. Let's pray. Father, my prayer this morning is that we, starting with me, would open our eyes to your word open our hearts to what you're going to and are saying to us this morning through your word. I pray that we would come to know the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you help us to lean on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that at the end of our time together in this study, we will not be the same people. We would be different, that we would resemble Christ more. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that that we would make you preeminent in all that we do, that we would be committed to denying ourselves, dying to our way of life so we can devote ourselves to you as your followers. Lord Please forgive me when I've failed to pick up the cross and follow after you. Please forgive me and for us for complaining about whether it's the weather or a pandemic or unusual year or different circumstances. Father, let us stop murmuring and start praising you. And Lord, I know that must start with me because I am of the chiefest sinners in this regard. So week after week, Lord's Day after Lord's Day, help us to become committed and compassionate and caring for the things of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all his wisdom and insight, making known to us 
the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord of our that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the right, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you are previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead and trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not for from yourself, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised, by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At the time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one, and tore down the dividing walls of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands, and expressed in regulations so that he might create himself one new man from two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body, through the, Christ by, through the cross by which he put hostility to death. He came, and he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access and one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, and him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple unto the Lord, and him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Ephesians 3 reads, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you're able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now, revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all saints, to proclaim it to the Gentiles, the incalculable riches of Christ, and to shed light for all above the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be known through the churches to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In verse 20, I invite you to hide this in your hearts. Verse 20 reads, Now to him, being God, who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that's work in us, the Holy Spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, 
to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. 
for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands, to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, of the church, as the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and, may, and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is, or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening. Know that, he is who, know that he is who is both their master, and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and not having done and having not, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all preservation, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains and I that I may declare it boldly as I taught as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, and that you may know who we are, and that he, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love in, incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. 